Hello and welcome to a special Christmas edition of Alice is Everywhere. My name is Heather and this is actually a hair accessory I am jingling. I don't have official jingle bells, but I do have a ponytail holder with a jingle bell type accoutrement. And no, I do not have a five-year-old daughter. This is my jingle bell ponytail holder, which I'm going to put down now. Now, you may be asking, what in the world do Alice in Wonderland and Lewis Carroll have to do with Christmas? Well, the original written story of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland was given to Alice Little from Lewis Carroll, also known as the Reverend Charles Lutwidge Dotson, as a Christmas present. Now, I know what you are thinking. You're thinking, Heather, I listen to your podcast. I pay attention when you're speaking to me. And I distinctly remember you telling me that the story of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland was originally told on a boat ride on the River Thames in the summer, on July 4th, 1862 to be exact. Going for a boat ride on the River Thames with three small children at Christmas time would be wholly irresponsible. This is all true. Your recollections are indeed correct. And honestly, I have been wholly irresponsible in not telling you the rest of the story of how Alice's Adventures in Wonderland came to be. I just did a Control-F on my giant, unwieldy document of podcast notes, and I was aghast. Aghast, I tell you, that I've only uttered the words Alice's Adventures Underground once, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to that warm July day in 1862, shall we? You'll recall that on that day... Young 30-year-old Oxford lecturer Charles Lovage Dotson and his friend the Reverend Robinson Duckworth took the dean's daughters, Lorena, Alice, and Edith, for an outing. The plan was to row up the Thames at some point, get out and have tea on the banks, then row back home. Now the dean's daughters loved hanging out with Mr. Dotson because he was great at making up stories to entertain them. This particular day, the story he made up sent a protagonist named Alice down a rabbit hole. At some point, the Reverend Duckworth, who was dutifully rowing away, asked over his shoulder, Dodson, is this an extempore romance of yours? I'll translate that into non-Victorian English for you. He asked, Dodson, you making this stuff up? To which Charles replied, yes, I'm inventing as we go along. Now later, when Alice Little was all grown up, she said that day's story must have been much better than usual because she begged Mr. Dodson to write it down for her. She had never asked that before. Alice was 10 when this particular boat ride took place, by the way. Charles started working on this task almost immediately, but he was a busy man. He had lectures to give and students to tutor, so he didn't actually finish his little homemade book and give it to Alice until November of 1864. And that's exactly what it was, a little homemade book. He illustrated it himself. He wasn't the best artist, but the pictures are very cute, and it's fun to note the similarities and differences between his drawings and the later ones done by John Tenniel that we're all familiar with. What's funny is the pictures look nothing like the real Alice. She had a short, sassy haircut with bangs, but they kind of look like Edith, her younger sister. Charles named his story Alice's Adventures Underground, and he wrote on the front, a Christmas gift to a dear child in memory of a summer day. Now, I feel it is my duty to mention he most likely did not give the book to Alice Little in person. He and the Littles had a falling out in 1863. No one is exactly sure why that happened. There is plenty of conjecture, but no one knows for sure. 
So he most likely just dropped the book off in 1864 and did not actually see little Alice that day. Alice's Adventures Underground only has four chapters, as opposed to the twelve in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Charles squished the Queen's Croquet Ground, the Mock Turtle Story, the Lobster Quadrille, and Who Stole the Tarts all into the final chapter, so Underground is not missing quite as much as you might think. What is missing, however, Cheshire Cat and the entire cast of the Mad Tea Party. Can you imagine? Charles added those iconic characters later on when he became convinced that Alice's Adventures was good enough to be published, which is, of course, when he changed his title to the slightly more lyrical Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. He actually considered several other titles, including Alice's Hour in Elfland, which is delightful, but I suppose does not have the same ring to it. If you are wondering who helped convince him that it was worth publishing, Charles was good friends with the MacDonald family. George MacDonald was a successful author of fantasy literature, and Charles gave him Alice's Adventures Underground and said, Hey, can you maybe take a look at this? I'm getting some good feedback. Do you think it's worth publishing? George had his wife read the book to their kids, figuring that would be the most valuable feedback one could get for a kid's book. The kids loved it, with one of them saying he wished there were 60,000 volumes of it. And that is what appears to have convinced Charles Dodson that Alice's Adventures Underground was indeed worth publishing. So thank goodness for those McDonald kids. If you'd like to review this story in blog post form, by the way, I posted an article around Christmas time last year on aliceseverywhere.com entitled The Story of Alice's Adventures Underground. And you can see some of Charles's illustrations there as well. One more kind of humorous note about the origins of Alice's Adventures Underground. The recollections of the day in question, July 4th, 1862, are all very similar amongst Charles, Alice, and her sisters, and the Reverend Duckworth. As you might imagine, all three were questioned about it throughout their lives once the book became so popular. They all tell the story of the boat ride and getting out of the hot sun for their picnic with almost no variation. But some party pooper went and looked at the historical weather charts for that day and dun, dun, dun. apparently july 4th 1862 was cool and rainy what intrigue obfuscation conspiracy i actually don't believe there's any intrigue or obfuscation or conspiracy maybe it rained in the morning and got hot in the afternoon maybe he started telling the tale on a hot day and finished it a few days later on a cool and rainy day I've seen some people comment online that obviously the whole story of the boat ride is a hoax or a publicity stunt because of this weather data that came to light. And yes, I do always read the comments on articles. It's a sickness of mine. Believe me, I love a good conspiracy theory, but in this case, I find a little confusion about dates and weather quite a bit more believable than the idea that two clergymen and three little girls colluded to make the world believe a story about a boat ride on a golden afternoon while full leisurely they glide. So that is the connection between Alice in Wonderland and Christmas. But wait, there's more. Lewis Carroll wrote more than just the Alice books, don't you know? He wrote math books under his real name, Charles Ludwig Dodson. He liked to keep Lewis Carroll, the celebrity author, and Charles Dodson, the quiet mathematician, separate in the public's mind. So he wrote math and logic books as C.L. Dodson, and he wrote the Alice books, The Hunting of the Snark, Sylvie and Bruno, and loads of poetry as Lewis Carroll. At some point, I'm going to read The Hunting of the Snark to you guys. I think it's a pretty good time. I will not read any logic books to you. I will also not read Sylvie and Bruno to you, ever. 
Perhaps as the host of a Lewis Carroll podcast, I should not admit this, but I have never successfully finished Sylvia and Bruno. It is so long and so confusing and so full of fairies and weirdness. I, I can't do it. I've tried and tried. I'm not alone in thinking it is inferior to his other works, although most literary critics are more diplomatic, I'm sure. Back to poetry. One of Lewis Carroll's most beloved poems is a Christmas poem. It's called From a Fairy to a Child, because Victorian times were different. One of my copies of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland says it was written in 1864. I believe that is just flat out wrong. Other sources say it was published in a leaflet. I guess leaflets were big in Victorian times. In 1884, and then it was used as a preface to later editions of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland sometime in the 1880s or maybe starting in the 1890s. It's funny how with Lewis Carroll, somehow it's so hard to nail down what should be the simplest of facts, such as a date. I'm going to read from a fairy to a child for you now. And it goes a little something like this. Lady dear, if fairies may, for a moment lay aside, cunning tricks and elfish play, tis at happy Christmas tide. We have heard the children say, gentle children whom we love, Long ago on Christmas Day came a message from above. Still, as Christmas tide comes round, they remember it again. Echo still the joyful sound. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yet the hearts must childlike be, where such heavenly guests abide. Unto children in their glee, all the year is Christmas tide. Thus, forgetting tricks and play, for a moment, lady dear, we would wish you, if we may, Merry Christmas. Glad New Year. Isn't that nice? That poem is printed on a stained glass window at the All Saints Church in Daresbury in England. Daresbury is where Charles Dodson was born. He lived there until he was 11. His father was the local reverend at Daresbury. However, Charles did not attend the church where this stained glass window is, as the present church there was erected in 1870 after the Dodson family had moved to greener pastures. The window itself is kind of trippy. The main scene it depicts is the nativity, the birth of little baby Jesus. But two of the folks surrounding little baby Jesus amongst the shepherds and whatnot are Charles Dodson, looking to be around 30 years of age, and Alice. Not Alice Little, but Alice the Dream Child, as pictured in the books with the long hair and the, the striped stockings. Underneath this main nativity scene are the words... In memory of Charles Ludwidge Dodson, Lewis Carroll, author of Alice in Wonderland. Really? You couldn't put the full name of the book? Anyway, after that comes the words of the Christmas poem I just read, illustrated with characters from the book Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. But each group of characters is kind of arranged in a uh, nativity-like fashion. I almost said nativital fashion. Is that a word? Nativital? Probably isn't a word. For example, in one of the pictures, the Dormouse is asleep in the middle in a little teapot like he's little baby Jesus, and the Hatter and March Hare are kind of standing with their arms out like, ta-da, unto you this Dormouse is born in a teapot. I mean, they're not saying that, that's just, that's just what it looks like. The window was dedicated in 1935, and they got the money for it from Lewis Carroll fans all over the world who wanted something to memorialize him on his 100th birthday. He was born in 1832. Too, so I guess it took a few years to scrape the money together. While I was researching this poem, I was delighted and surprised to find that at least two times it has been set to music. How wonderful. 
We're all certainly aware of the influence Alice in Wonderland has had on popular culture over the last 150 years, but it never occurred to me that Lewis Carroll's poetry would also inspire folks and lend them a creative spark. I'm going to play both of these adaptations for you. They're both on YouTube if you want to listen to them on your own later. The first is from a German fellow named Karsten Braun. He posted the piece in 2013. He says it won a German radio award for the most stunning composition of a contemporary Christmas song, which kind of cracked me up. That's a very specific award. It's the most stunning. So, without further ado, please enjoy the stunning Lewis Carroll Christmas Greetings by Karsten Braun.
Wasn't that lovely? Karsten has put some other Lewis Carroll poems to music as well. I'll have to check those out and perhaps play them for you at a future date. The next recording of From a Fairy to a Child is much more stripped down and simple, but I find it equally charming. It was recorded by a man named Drew Jones. He uploaded it to YouTube on Christmas Day 2010, which I just love that it was actually Christmas Day. He writes... I started reading my copy of The Complete Works of Lewis Carroll the day before yesterday, and in my hazy tiredness began strumming some chords and singing a loose little melody to this poem. I have to say that I am thankful for my cell phone's ability to record, otherwise I may have completely forgotten this. So here it is, my music to the words of my favorite author. May you all stumble through the looking glass this holiday season. Lady dear, if fairies may, for a moment lay aside, cunning tricks and elfish play, tis a happy Christmas tide. We have heard the children say, gentle children whom we love, long ago on Christmas day came a message from above. Still as Christmas tide comes round they remember it again echo still the joyful sound peace on earth goodwill to men still their hearts must childlike be where such heavenly guests abide unto children in their glee all year is Christmas time, thus forgetting the tricks and play. For a moment, lady dear, we would wish you, if we may, Merry Christmas and a glad New Year. you want to sit in front of a roaring fire with the lights down low. So nice. And again, such a great surprise to discover these recordings of Lewis Carroll's Christmas poem. I hope you enjoyed them as much as I did. And I hope you all, every one of my listeners, has a very Merry Christmas and a a reluctant Merry Christmas to my non-listeners as well, I guess. I'm hoping to churn out one more episode before January 1st, but if I don't get it done... A glad new year to you all as well. I'm so thankful for your company throughout this past year. Please stop by aliceseverywhere.com or one of the many, many social media platforms to say hi, Merry Christmas, leave a question or concern. Talk soon.